Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everyone. This is Robin Strattenberg-Hessel, and I'm the host of Positivity Strategist. Welcome to the show. Now, today, my guest is Jay Samet, and my introduction to Jay comes from the wonderful Mark Goulston, who was a guest on my show back at the end of May. Now, Mark and I were speaking about his book at the time, and that book is called Just Listen, the Dis- Discover the Secrets to Getting Through to Absolutely Anyone. And Mark thought that my message of positivity in the world of business was a disruptive force and that Jay and I should talk. And so here we are. Listen into Jay. Here's a sneak preview of him. Because I want to continue to be you know, the Pied Piper of sharing this to the world and use my platform to teach and inspire. Because if I can share another person's success, A, it will help them be more successful, but B, it might inspire the next person to take it even further. Now, before I introduce Jay and you hear him speak, I'd first like to do our Positivity Lens Reframe segment. The regular listeners know that I do this each week as a way to strengthen our positivity muscle and to hone our ability to view people and situations through multiple lenses because remember what you focus on grows. Now my last show was a deviation from the norm. I was in fact interviewed about my own high point story as an appreciative inquiry practitioner. And instead of a worksheet with the positivity lens activity and three positivity tips, I offered you instead a white paper of the project that I talked about in my interview. And the case study was co-authored by me and two members of the client organization. It lays out in detail the entire appreciative inquiry summit process from the very first steps of carefully designing the preparation that leads up to the summit, the actual design of the summit, the core teamwork that makes it work so powerfully, and all the project milestones. And you also get to read some of the participant feedback on their experiences, and you'll find out about some of the outputs that they co-created. People who've read this case study have complimented us about how clearly we've described the entire process, and it filled a number of gaps that they'd had in their understanding of the AI Summit. So if you missed it, go to positivitystrategist.com PS40 where you can download it. And now to this week's show and to Jay Samet. Today, I feel very fortunate to have Jay Samet as my guest. Jay, welcome to you. Hey, thanks for having me. Jay's a serial entrepreneur and he's been involved with some of the most successful startups of the last 30 years. And throughout our conversation, I'm quite sure Jay will share a number of his success stories during um, our, our talk together. But what I find really daunting is that Jay keeps company 
with and advises some of the highest net worth people on the planet. He has popes and politicians and pop stars who come to him because of his entrepreneurial successes and his approaches to business, society and the world at large. He's a change agent. He says that we live in an era of endless innovation and is totally excited to share with audiences how they can master personal transformation, seize the opportunities that are out there and thrive in this environment today. So Jay consults, he speaks and he teaches entrepreneurship at the University of Southern California and he's quoted often in mainstream media. The internet has been Jay's playground and continues to be that. So um, I invite you to check him out and be absolutely impressed by going to his website, jsamet.com. So needless to say, I'm truly honoured and most humbled to be spending time with you, Jay. <laughs> no, the honour is mine to get to reach your audience. It's a real privilege. And the focus of our conversation is going to be on the topic of his new book, which is just recently out. And the title of this book is Disrupt You, Master Personal Transformation, Seize Opportunity and Thrive in the Endless Era of Innovation. So this is pretty exciting and I've thoroughly enjoyed reading it, Jay, and um, I'd like us to kind of just dive in a little bit deeper to some of the stories and some of the messages. And maybe you could start, Jay, by just letting us know what motivated you to write this book. So this book is really my way of paying it forward. I've been very lucky uh, to have had success time and again as a serial entrepreneur. And what you learn from this experience and as you learn and watch people become billionaires is we all follow the same path and pattern, but it's really not taught in schools or taught in university. And if I can make people's journey easier, quicker, it's actually selfish because entrepreneurs are the only ones that solve the world's problems. So the more successful entrepreneurs, the better life is for everyone. Yeah. So your, t- your, your aim is to be able to pass these mindsets, these skills and these stories onto others. So they feel yeah, that so- they can do it themselves. Yeah, so much of what we learn in like history classes about these great people that did great things and, and it's unattainable. When in reality, you really have the limitless ability to do whatever you want. The cost of launching a global business is a fraction of what it was just a decade ago. We all are walking around with smartphones. We're all one click away from six billion consumers. And it's just learning a little bit more about how to connect the dots how to see all those obstacles in your life as an opportunity and how to act on it. And so what impact are you aspiring to achieve through this book? Well, if you want me to get on my soapbox, then I will. Yes. Um, When I look at what's happening in ISIS, when I look at what's happening in Greece, when I look at what's happening in, in Ferguson or Baltimore in the States, we're not looking at issues about race or religion or culture. What we're looking at is massive unemployment at those under 30. The millennial generation is 2.3 billion people. That is more people on the planet than when my parents were born. And there are not going to be jobs for them. So we have a choice. We either watch society erode or we teach 2 billion people how to become empowered entrepreneurs. That's why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about you, Jay? I mean, I'm sure there've been some high points and low points in your career and your professional relationships. And so without any forewarning, 
Could you share one or two of those high points with us now? Oh, high points. There's been so many. Um, if you would have told me as a, as a kid of a public school teacher in, in Philadelphia that I would wake up and have dozens of friends that became self-made billionaires, I would have asked what you were smoking. <laughs> um, I started on the Internet so early. I started in the late 1970s. Uh, we didn't think we were changing the world. We were just having fun playing with these new toys called computers. And the world came to where we are. And each time a new advance came, it changed how business was done. It changed how we lived our lives and it opened up greater opportunities. So, you know, high points would be things like, you know, getting the first album downloaded on the internet or doing the first concert at in the sky, um, launching businesses that, that have 100 million people a day using them. The, these were just amazing moments uh, that prove that anybody can make anything happen if they just learn, first of all, how to disrupt themselves. So it really starts with changing how you see your own limitations and then how to deconstruct business in a way to capture that value that you create. So that's curious. I'm curious because seeing your own limitations, why wouldn't you go for your own talents and strengths? I would have thought that you get maximum leverage from knowing what really excites you and what you do well and what comes with the greatest kind of ease rather than struggling against things that are perhaps your weaknesses or struggles. Well, it's not so much struggling. It's it's taking a step back and saying, are they really weaknesses or were you just told that and you just started internalizing and believing it? Ha-ha, so yes. Too, mu too much of people's lives are they're told over their childhood as they grow up, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So one of the examples that I talk about in the book is it's bizarre that professional hockey players in Canada, the majority have a birthday in January, February, and March. This isn't astrology. This isn't something that happens with the moon in those months. It turns out that the cutoff for their elementary school system means that those kids are a full year older than the other children. Mm -hmm. Hockey is the sport that they play there. So from a young age, because they were a year physically more coordinated and developed, they were told that they were better than the other kids. When you're told you're good at something, you spend more time at it. It reinforces it and you become good. Fast forward, eventually they become the world's greatest athletes at that sport. Mm -hmm. Conversely, my mom wanted to get rid of me from the household early, so she forged my birth certificate and made me a year older, which meant I was the scrawniest, weakest kid in school. So I hated sports, and I was told I was bad at it because I had a negative experience at four years old that was reinforced at five and six. Fast forward, it wasn't until I was 40 that I said, this is not something that I need to accept. Let me challenge it and see what I can do athletically because I've never done it. So the, the earlier that you can start breaking down who you are, what are those strengths, and look at your limitations and really question, are they a limitation or is that something that somebody told you you can't do? Hmm. Yeah, I like the way that you frame that because um, that makes good sense to me. Because one of the things that I'm, you know, when are we going to disrupt that problem solving is the default way in which we engage with the world? Because life is full of mysteries and beauty and there are so many fantastic things going on and potentialities and possibilities. And yet our business model, what we're educated into is life is a problem. 
And we focus on our weaknesses and our deficits. And just to your point, Jay, that can really get stuck in people's kind of self-perception. So I would like to talk about that, disrupting the very model of how we do business, which is look for problems. Sure. So, so let's take a common one. Whether by choice or circumstance, everyone's career will be disrupted. They will lose their job at one point or another. And the idea that you're going to get that job and get that gold watch after 20 years is a myth. Um, I talked about in the book, you know, security robs ambition, but it's really that illusion of security that robs your ambition. So when you lose your job, you go, woe is me. I only know how to do X. And, and a great example was when the music industry went through its crisis 15 years ago and everybody was digitally downloading. If you were a marketer that sold music, you suddenly not only lost your job at the label that you work, but everybody laid off people. So there was no job to get. And you said, I cannot get a job in my field. I therefore will be unemployed. Or... Break down what is it that you do? What do you excellent at? What are those pieces and where else can they be applied? And in the case of it, it turns out that people that were selling music had a special skill set that they didn't realize. A marketer for Coca-Cola is spending money to reinforce a brand message that has been going on for a century. Somebody that works at a music label has to take four kids in a garage and make them famous by next Tuesday. So that unique skill set could be used for something else. And to make a long story short, friends of mine went and said, wait a second. What if we take a product that's never had any marketing, just a basic utility, and use the same music approach to it? And they went and they looked at earbuds, an undifferentiated product. And they went and the London Olympics come along. And there's that moment when everybody's standing at the swim, swimming pool and the teams come out from every country in the world and every single athlete is wearing Beats headphones in different colors. Mm. That was worth hundreds of millions of dollars of marketing. It only took a few envelopes of cash and Beats then does $600 million in revenue. That's deconstructing your skill set and rebirth as a leader in another field. Mm. And so come back now to the personal transformation piece. So um, that's the business example. So talk to me a little bit about maybe you. I mean, what was your personal disruption story about how you, you, you know, I read in the book that you were dyslexic and you say that, you know, you were weak because at sport because you had to start, you know, a year you were a year younger than the people in your class and so on. So yeah. how, what was your, what's your story there, Jay? So it's funny on dyslexia, you know, you look at, at Walt Disney, Richard Branson, you know, some of the, the greatest entrepreneurs all turned out to be dyslexic. And a study was done uh, in, in the UK that one third of entrepreneurs were dyslexic. And it's not a coincidence. So what happened was if you're told that you're not good at something, you want to mask that. And so every time there was a group assignment in school, I wasn't going to do the reading part. I was going to delegate. I was going to be in charge. I learned leadership and other problem-solving abilities to take my weakness and turn it into a strength. Mm -hmm. But the real moment of disruption for my life was, as many are facing today, I came out of university at a time when there was a great recession. No one was hiring. I did what society had asked of me. I got good grades. I showed up. I did everything that I was supposed to. And then, boom, there's nothing. So I went and I, I mailed away for business cards for $1 and I got uh, business cards and I made up a company 
And I went around and figured if they wouldn't hire me, I could be a sales guy for this mythical company and let's see what work I could do. <laughs> and when you suddenly find yourself doing a million dollars and you're 21 and no one will hire you, you never want to go and get a job. And I never went back. And I didn't get my legitimate first jobs till later when I had sold companies and I was brought in to run global companies like Sony and EMI to create new divisions. So to take that same skill set of being an entrepreneur and to be an entrepreneur. So it was a great lesson, which was really, had I not faced that hardship of no one hiring me, I probably would have taken a regular job and just sat there and, you know, not seen my potential. Mm. And then uh, you could also look at it at the perspective that the success that you had when you when you took that risk or you were adventurous enough or courageous enough or entrepreneurial enough, the success of that kind of propelled you to even greater success. Oh, so yeah. So the first rule is once you realize that there's no shame and failure, okay? Beautiful. So you mm -hmm. get out there and you take a risk. The worst thing that happens is you're back where you started. I mean, I ask so many people that they're, you know, why are you in a job that you don't like? I mean, to me, that is the most bizarre concept. When you really break it down, you are giving up your life. You are giving it up day by day, hour by hour, month by month, year by year. You don't get that life back. So if you only have one shot at this world, what is your purpose? And really, your purpose in life is to have a life filled with purpose. And so if you're giving up on that, how do you expect anything other than to be unhappy when years go by? When you ask people in their 80s what their biggest regrets are, it's not the things that they failed at. It's the things that they failed to try. Yeah. Yep. I know. And um, is that something that comes with hindsight? Uh, yeah. I mean, when we're young, many people don't think about it. They just go through and, you know, when you ask somebody, where do you want to be in five years? They don't have an answer. But mm -hmm. if you can just ask yourself that question, then you can work backwards from that goal. And I talk about packing your disruptor suitcase. It's really about when you go on a vacation, you don't bring your refrigerator. You don't bring your, <laughs> your winter parka to the beach in, in Spain. You just take what you need and you leave everything else, all that other stuff behind. Your career should be the same way. Figure out where you want to go. And we talk about in Disrupt You, what are the pieces you need? Mm -hmm. So if you knew you wanted to be a surgeon in five years, you pretty much know that you want to go to med school. Well, if you want to be something else, there may be a skill that you need. There may be a class to take. There may be spend, spend an hour each night on the Internet learning whatever that skill is. Um, how to find a mentor to help guide you. How to, how to work with people that have already achieved these things. You are connected now like never before through social media. You can reach out to almost anybody on the planet. Um, a lot of people, you know, go, well, Jay, it's easy for you, you know, to – do a deal with the Pope or, you know, have a conversation with the president. No, I was no different. I was just a small time, you know, business guy just starting out. And, and I've watched people do this, whether it's with a restaurant, a clothing line, any idea you are able to really make an impact if you just learn what that process is. And Jay, were you, very deliberate and intentional and strategic about this or, you know, or was it 
and probably it's a both and, but you know, you were in the right place at the right time. Uh, I'm just trying to get a sense of, you know, the fact that you are so successful and you've had this, you know, really lovely, outstanding career. Well, you know, what was it when you deconstruct it for yourself? So, so talk to us about that. Yeah. So I had, I made a classic mistake, uh, which is the greatest mistake of my life, which is I had children very young. So that there's no greater motivation than the baby needs shoes. So, you know, I had no choice but to figure out how to work hard and, and, and make it happen. And that drives you. So whatever your motivation that drives you, if you're relentless, you will succeed. And, and it's fascinating. Um, I, I gave a, a university graduation speech that, uh, that's uh, up on YouTube where I looked at a bunch of my friends that all went into crazy fields. And those that didn't give up made it to the very top because it's easy to give up. And you never know how close you are to your goal if you stop. So failing, there's nothing wrong with failing. Failure is giving up. Failing is learning what doesn't work and then trying again. Mm. And some of the most successful businesses that we see nowadays were inches away from having their doors closed when they pivoted, when they saw a new insight, when because they blazed a trail where no one had been, they discovered something of value on that, that path. Mm. And so for me, it was, you know, how am I going to raise my two sons? How am I going to make sure that there's food on the table and that they get educated and everything else that a parent wants? And that drove me maybe to insane levels. Uh, but it was hard. I didn't know what the path was. I didn't understand how people got from where they were to where I'd like to be. And once you discover that path, once you disrupt the assumptions that you were taught in school, mm -hmm. you suddenly notice everybody else is doing it the same way, including if your motivation isn't about business. Maybe you want to deal with global warming. Maybe you want to change the educational system. Maybe you, there's some you know, NGO cause. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that it all follows the same pattern. Yeah, very nice. I love the way that you say that it's about um, disrupting the assumptions. I think that's that really that hit home to me. So, um, so I'm also thinking about. Um, so you know, you talk about kids and students, and you know what the employment prospects are like. I mean, it's um, it's very different right now. But I'm also thinking of you know entrepreneurs. I mean. Um, um, executives that maybe you're coming into touch with who are now thinking about what's my legacy and what else does that? Yeah, so absolutely. So one of the, one of the greatest things is you can now go on, on LinkedIn and find leaders in any field, big giant names, and you can reach out to them and, you know, start asking them questions. Don't start with, Hey, will you hire me? But I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And build a relationship and rapport. And you might, Find yourself a great mentor. Uh, it takes guts, but it's like asking out a girl in high school. If she says no, you're back where you started. You've lost nothing. If she says yes, your whole world changes. I have a friend who went on a television game show, and she won some money. And she wrote a letter to one of the most famous billionaires in the world, one of the top ten richest men, and said, hey, I've just won enough money on television not to need an income for a year I'd like to be your assistant. Here's why. And the guy said yes. And from that bold email, however many, 20 years ago, she's gone on to be one of the most connected people in business. 
And she did it all on her own. Mm. Yeah. So there does take a little bit of self-belief, right? Oh, well, that's the first one. And that's where <laughs> why I really start off and disrupt you and say, hey, this isn't Jay saying, oh, Jay's a genius. Jay comes from this. You know, this isn't the, the that story. This is I'm an everyday guy who figured it out. It took me 30 years. Hopefully I can make that take less than a year for most people. And that's why I did the book. But it's accessible information. It's very simple thing. From the most basic of what words are on your resume, most people mm -hmm. don't think of this and deconstruct it in an analytical way. There are words that will get noticed and get you hired, and there's words that won't. And wouldn't you want to have that knowledge if you're trying to get a job? You know, So it's very basic all the way up to different ways of looking. There are people that will fund your business that don't want any of your equity and don't want you to pay them back. Why not learn how to use other people's money in a positive way that can build your business? Yeah, so I'm just thinking here about, again, this personal transformation stuff. You talk about using the, the value chain, right? So right. Um, maybe you'd just like to kind of perhaps outline how you see that when you apply it to helping you build your own um, potentiality through the value chain, So that metaphor? My axiom, Jay's axiom, is be the best in the world of what you do or the only one doing it. Because if you're the only one doing it, by definition, you are the best of the world. So you have to figure out what are you best in the world at. And mm -hmm. you're probably sitting there going, well, I'm not the best of the world at anything. And in reality, you're walking a path of life that no one else is experiencing. So there's some aspects that you're experiencing that you know better than others. And what you're experiencing are problems that you are overcoming. Then you have to stop and say, wait a second, others share these same problems. So one of my favorite stories is there's a woman got a sales job out of, out of school and she was selling uh, in Florida for a very conservative company that required that she wear pantyhose. Well, pantyhose in hot and humid Florida is not fun and you want to wear open toe sandals. So your toes look funny. So she's tried cutting off the toes. She tried different things. And she finally figured out a way to make, make the garment work. And she went to hose makers and they said, you're an idiot. They ripped up her business card. You don't know what you're doing. She didn't have any money. She went and bought a book at Barnes and Noble, uh, patents for dummies, <laughs> wrote her own patent. And the name of the company is Spanx. And she's a billionaire. Mm -hmm. She became a billionaire because she was forced to wear pantyhose in 90 degree humidity, right? 90% humidity. Mm -hmm. Um, it is that simple. What did she do is she realized that she was not the only one facing this issue, but she was the only one dealing with the issue, right? Um, you, We've all sat at an airport and had our flight canceled and sat around and go, nothing I can do. Richard saw that happen, did in his math how many people were waiting chartered a plane, held up a sign, and that's how a music exec launched Virgin Airways mm -hmm. because they canceled his flight and he wanted to get from Puerto Rico to the Virgin Islands. It is literally that easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 
it's not saying no. It's not giving up. It's it's um, looking at alternatives and other possibilities. And think of how many people will thank you for making their life better and easier. And that's all that you're doing as an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is making life easier for others. Period. So coming back to the specifics of the value chain, when you're talking about the example of, of Spanx, right? So right. she obviously went out, did her R&D, and then she, you know, went through the design. So she then kind of created this process around this very bold vision that she had. So there's something about implementation or so doing. One, correct. So one of the big mistakes that, that many people do in business is they say, I'm going to make XYZ product. Okay, and that's the end of their thinking. And in every business, whether it is a physical product, a, a restaurant, a, you know, a piece of software, an app, a, a service organization, when you look at the industry, you follow the same things. You have to design the product, you have to build the product, you have to sell the product, you have to market the product, all those things. But the value, the most profit, usually takes place in only one link in that value chain. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to disrupt the business and start your own, focus on the link where the most profit is. Yes. So the, simp the simple example that I use in the book is, is diamonds, okay? Mm -hmm. Owning a diamond mine and having all that land and having all that equipment to dig out thousands of tons of dirt and employ all those people doesn't have much of a profit. The guys that cut the diamonds at the other end where the people that retail make most of the profit. So if you're going to go into the diamond business, which piece of it would you focus on? You have to do the same of your own business. Even if it's opening a restaurant, everybody opens a restaurant and says, I have this great recipe for fried chicken. I'm going to open a chicken restaurant. Wrong question. You have to say, why is it 90% of restaurants fail? What do you have to solve in the value chain? So I tell the story about somebody who looked at it and said, well, the first thing is restaurants have too many items on the menu. If they all don't sell, you have waste and that goes against your profits. So he decided he was only going to have three things on the menu. Next issue is at your crowded time of the day, two people sit down at a table for four. That's two seats that you're not able to monetize. So he's only going to fill full tables. You're going to have to seat with strangers. Um, again, bizarre concept. And if you're going to have to wait till you can seat a full table, that means people are going to spend time at the bar and actually spend more. Once he did all that, then he came up with that the concept should be Benihana's. It should be sitting around a Japanese-style uh, table where your fun is sitting with strangers and it's, and it's only three choices on the menu and the tables are always full. And this became a global chain because he deconstructed the value chain of what makes a restaurant successful mm -hmm. as opposed to I'm going to just open a restaurant. Great story, that one. Um, and there are lots of great stories in this book. So what I'd love to – thank you for indulging me in some of the thoughts and questions that came up for me, Jay. Um, I would love it now if you perhaps would just talk about the structure of the book so people who are listening get a sense of what you're addressing, what you're covering in the book. Sure. So Disrupt You is designed in, 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 in thirds. The first third is everybody wants to change the world, but nobody thinks of changing themselves. You really have to start internally with what is limiting you from your potential. And this isn't some feel-good, hug, psychology book. This is real facts of where we limit ourselves and where we shouldn't. Very straightforward and accessible. The second third 
is now that you've figured out how to change you, how to look at the business world from that same four-step process, deconstruct it and figure out where and how you want to attack it, whether it's a design idea, whether it's a different way to sell something, whether it's all the patents that other people spend billions for that are free for you to go and monetize. So, and then the last third is for those people that have succeed in business and have their financial needs taken care of, if you really want to tackle the big issues, if you really want to look at how do we take on, you know, drug lords in, in Central America, how do we take on dictators and, and, and launch the, uh, an Arab Spring? How do you make your educational system in your town better? Here are real life examples of applying the same methodology to the global issues. So there's something for everybody at every stage of their career. And you know, as I said earlier, my goal is to make everyone's journey easier. I think the last third is very exciting about the possibilities of you know how we can really have a bigger impact in the world. I mean, I, I was completely humbled in interviewing and in, in studying and in, in researching for the book. You know, for a teenager, for a girl in middle school to sit down and say, you know what, I think I can come up with a better way to cure breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And by the time she's in high school and she doesn't come from a science background or a family with science, she has something that's 99% accurate and more accurate and less invasive than biopsies and is being now used by the medical community globally. It's estimated she's saving 40,000 women's lives a year and she's in high school. Uh, you know, I am humbled by what people can do with the same tools that we're all walking around with. We have more computer processing power in our smartphone than NASA had to put a man on the moon. So what are you doing with all that power? Mm -hmm. What's the big conversation that just excites you so much and the potential you see and where you'd like this to go? Oh, um, I'm very excitable. So people ask me how I always accurately predict the future, and it's because I hang out with the people that are building it. Uh, <laughs> Great. So, you know, autonomous vehicles, uh, 3D printing, just-in-time manufacturing, uh, the Internet of Things, each one of these I could fill an hour show with you on of what's mm. so great. I mean, my parents are elderly, okay? Mm -hmm. it, and I have motion detectors in their house that a person's alerted. If they don't get out of bed by 10 a.m., someone can check on them. There's new wearables that will mm -hmm. let you know whether or not grandma took her medicine. Mm -hmm. And you can call her and say, grandma, you didn't take your medicine. I can see by your blood pressure, or you can just tell her that you love her. I mean, there are so many opportunities to create new businesses and to really enhance life. I mean, everybody thinks of autonomous vehicles as just, okay, I won't have to drive. But what does it do for you don't have to take the car keys away from senior citizens or to let a blind person go or to make travel more fun or to just reinvent what that in-car experience is that your vacation starts the second you get into your vehicle and you're, you know, it becomes the place to have a great meal and, and watch a great movie. Uh, I'm just excited that we live in this time that I refer to as endless innovation. Mm -hmm. And I want to inspire more people to make great things. I mean, it's like when you go to the movies, like it or not, you have to pause and say, how lucky we are to live in a moment when somebody's willing to spend $200 million to entertain you for two hours. That's phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and you know, the, the work that I do in the field of positivity and um, so on, it's really, 
understanding that we are very privileged to live in this world today with all these things that are available to us and how we can be a source of good for each other. So what about some of the economic um, injustices? You know, when you talk about, you know, all this fantastic technology that's becoming available to us, you know, there, there are still socioeconomic divides. So do you have any thoughts around? Absolutely. So when I sold my first company back in the 1990s, I looked in the U.S. and I saw great educational divides, mm-hmm. schools that had good stuff and those kids had a future and schools that didn't and whatever. And I realized if I could get an Internet connection into every classroom, yes, everybody would have access to the world's knowledge. And we did that within 18 months and, and no taxpayer money. Mm. But I tell that story because today, even in the third world, you now have smartphones mm. that are sub $20. Yes, that's a lot of money in some parts of the world, but it's, it's attainable to a family or to a mm. community, mm. which really means that no matter where you are on planet Earth, you hold in your hand the world's knowledge, the same ability to learn, the same ability to grow, the same ability to build a business. I lecture all over the world, uh, from Mumbai to Africa to Europe, and it's really about showing people that they have a competitive advantage. Mm. So suddenly, where you thought you were in the small third world nowhere, wait a second, my cost of labor is cheaper, my access to people is identical, my power to make an impact is identical. What a great motivator to get people to want to learn and teach. And there are so many online courses like Khan Academy mm. where you can learn any subject. You can learn any language without spending a dime. Yeah. So really, it's one of the best times. Now, yes, you have some basic needs. You have to figure out how to, how to eat and how to drink and get clean water and, and those things. But that basic need is being met by most of the world, which is why we have a population that's still exploding. And yet people are not taking full advantage. And when you see the people that do, you're seeing new pockets of of wealth. Yeah, that's a great response. I mean, it really talks about the exponential effect of all of this, the acceleration um, that's made possible. I mean, just break it down to, to simple. You are one click away from six billion people. You only have to get it right for one nanosecond for them all to click and send you a dollar for you to be one of the top richest people in the world. <laughs> Are there any particular kind of insights that you just want to share with us that, um, you know, that have come out of this conversation, something that might come to mind? Yeah, I really want to hear from people. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the purpose of this was to really lay a foundation to start a revolution on potential. What can we do as a society? And for so long, one of the biggest challenges was you have to have the leadership and the ability to get massive movements of people. Where now you can plug into remote people all over the place. You can plug into remote manufacturing, access to knowledge. You can use the cloud. You really don't need to raise tons of money or have this large platform to make major impact. you know, crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, sharing, all the various things that we talk about in the new economy uh, are happening. And so I'd love for people to go to jsamit.com, uh, J-A-Y-S-A-M-I-T, and tell me their success story because I want to continue to be 
you know, the Pied Piper of sharing this to the world and use my platform to teach and inspire. Because if I can share another person's success, A, it will help them be more successful, but B, it might inspire the next person to take it even further. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of building on the successes and it um, it's exponential, as I said. So, Jay, um, with my podcast, I invite my guests to come up with three possible strategies that they might recommend so that my listeners can go out there and try something for themselves. So I'm quite sure you would have three strategies that you would recommend. Okay. So the first one is I will teach you how to have the same billion dollar deal flow that the biggest venture capital firms have. Walk around for one month and every day, write down three problems that you have in your life. Um, there was too much traffic on work today. I wish this was better, whatever. The first day, it's pretty easy. By the end of the month, you're really having to really pay attention. But by the end of the month, you have a list of 90 business ideas. Every obstacle is an opportunity in disguise. And one of those is a billion-dollar business. Your job is to look and say, which one affects the most people? Which one am I passionate about building on? And you may find out that you're the only one that took that energy to really solve. So that would be my first strategy. Second strategy is don't go this road alone. Mm. It's, it's lonely. It's hard. I've been there. I wish I had had mentors early in my career. Figure out who are those people in the fields that you would like to emulate or learn from and reach out to them. Start a dialogue through LinkedIn or other social media. And you'll be amazed. They want validation. They want to pass on what they've learned. Maybe they don't want to take the effort that it takes to, to get a book out of this caliber. Um, but that would be the second strategy, I would say. And, and, and the third is really don't, don't think that this is, you know, pie in the sky. Wake up every day and accept two things. The future will be better than the present. And I can make a difference. And if you just say those two things to yourself, you'll be amazed at how much just that affirmation will change. Because I have yet to meet a person in a negative state of mind that comes up with a positive idea for mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. So get yourself in that state of mind. Focus on your potential. The universe is expanding, so so are you. And see what you can do. It's a lot of fun. That is so beautiful and very much ties into my theme here. I love that. So I'm very appreciative of this conversation, Jay. Thank you for making the time. And wherever you want to get your books, please get Disrupt You and reach out to me. I, I, I believe people need daily motivation. So if you follow me on Twitter, at Jay Samet, you'll get several, several of my little witticisms every day just to Keep you, keep you on track and let you know you're, you're not alone in your quest. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. And I'll have those, um, all those links put up on the show notes page for you too. I love, love, love your promo video of your book on your site. Oh, thank you so much. So yeah, yeah. Go to, you can go to YouTube or go to jsammet.com mm -hmm. and see the Disrupt You uh, trailer. Mm -hmm. uh, little, little hint in there, what you probably didn't notice uh, that I haven't told to the press is there is a contest hidden inside that video Ooh. and the prize is, uh, is a quite valuable prize, 
which is basically I will personally consult on your business and, and your future plans. Ooh. So so if you can solve the riddle in the video and figure out how to enter and all that, uh, good luck. In, in the video, there are some flash still frames that you may have noticed that seem like that hip editing. Yes, so yes, if yes. If you want to be a lunatic and stop those and, and figure out the, the, the riddle and the, and the rules and everything, uh, I wanted to disrupt the way people look at videos and, and make it fun. But uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, I love uh, it. Yeah. Well, yes, it seems to kind of permeate your whole being, this whole notion of disruption. It's what I'm here to do. (laughs) And I'm the best in the world at it. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. I love that. Being best in the world because then you're the only one in the world who's doing it, right? Right. But you're also passing on this to others too. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay. Signing off with you now, Jay. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. And now to this week's Positivity Lens activity, which is inspired by Jay Samet. So go to the show notes page, and that's positivitystrategist.com slash PS41, and download the file. And so it invites you to think about your ability to be a disruptor and to create those positive changes that you want for yourself and for the world and how you start your own personal transformation process. In fact, Jay clearly articulated these three very powerful strategies. So please listen to him to get them firsthand and then you can download the Positivity Lens activity to have your personal prompt sheet. So thanks again for listening. And if you really enjoyed this show, go over to iTunes and and do leave us a positive review. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember... What you focus on grows, so grow towards your best. Mm -hmm.